Have you ever said something you wish you could take back? I bet the moment you said it, right away, you knew you shouldn't have. You could see the shock, hurt, and pain of your words on the faces of your loved ones. Perhaps you started apologizing in hopes that you could somehow swallow your words as if they had never left your lips. But it was too late. Your friendship, your reputation was broken. If only there was a reset button. The bottom line, our fallen human nature is like those words that we shouldn't have said. But scripture tells us that by hearing the words of Jesus, our relationship with God is recreated. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Father Dustin. We're all familiar with the opening lines of the Bible. Barashit bara elachim et ha shamaim wa et ha aretz. Or in translation, enarchi apiisen otheos ton uranon ketingin. Or if you don't speak Hebrew or Greek, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. We all know how the story continues to unfold. God spends the first three days creating the realms of creation by dividing things and marking their boundaries. Light from darkness, then the waters above from the waters below, and finally on the third day, the earth from the waters. Then for the next three days, God spends his time filling those realms he created. Lights for the heavens, then creatures for the sky and waters, and finally, on the sixth day, creatures, animals, and humanity to fill the realm of the earth. But I want to especially draw your attention to how God makes humanity. Here's Genesis 2-7, this time in English. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Humanity is formed from the dust. Or to put it another way, the earthling comes from the earth. Hold on to this. I'll come back to it. But as we know, things don't turn out so well for the humans, and because of them, the rest of creation also is cursed. Humanity falls and is kicked out of the garden. Then evil spreads to the point that God has to destroy the world and start again by means of a flood. Eventually, humanity tries to build a tower that reaches up into the heavens so that they too can become gods. But God puts an end to this, and humanity is spread out all over the world, disconnected from one another, speaking different tongues. To use the example from our intro, humanity has said something they couldn't take back, but they wished they could. 
So when John opens his gospel with the words of Genesis, we take note. En archi en ologos, ke ologos, in proston theon, ke theos, in ologos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, these are the same opening words that we heard in Genesis. John hearkens back to Genesis to tell us that the story of Jesus is the story of creation. Or rather, what I should probably say is re-creation. Or perhaps it's the completion of creation begun at the beginning of the good book. Just as God had acted to create in Genesis, God is now acting within the Johannine context to finish creation. We are being formed into something different than what we are. We are being formed into something we were meant or called to be. It's with this mindset, in this matrix, we should hear this past Sunday's Gospel reading, the story of the blind man. With recreation in mind, listen to the words given to us by St. John. This is chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. As he walked along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Then he went and washed and came back, able to see. Does this remind you of anything? Jesus spitting on the ground and forming mud should remind us of God creating Adam, or humanity, from the ground. It's even more striking in Hebrew. Adam, which means mankind, is created from the Adamah, the ground. Adam from the Adamah. This, my friends, is also the context we should hear the funeral exclamation, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. So Jesus recreates this man, the man who is formerly blind, not yet complete, and he's made whole, able to see. Literarily, this story is very powerful, not only through its connection to Genesis, but also the way the story sets the stage. After encountering the blind man, Jesus introduces himself as the light of the world. Light, in this case, if it's not obvious to you, means that blind people can't see. So if Jesus is the light of the world, and we're blind, does this mean Jesus has nothing to offer us? After all, an art gallery, for example, could illuminate the art on the walls perfectly. But if you're blind, you'll never appreciate it. But before we press further, we have to stop and ask, 
in the scriptural context, what does it mean to be blind? As you should expect from me by now, I'm not going to say this story is a simple miracle wrought by the Son of God. Instead, it speaks to us on a much deeper level, a spiritual level. I posit that being blind is being ignorant of God's instruction, or perhaps it's purposely refusing God's instruction. This seems to be reinforced because the man and his parents are Judean. And in addition to that, this healing irritates the Pharisees to no end. Those folks who are supposed to know God's instruction, his Torah, backwards and forwards, now are the antagonists. They don't want to let Jesus get away with this. Now remember, in the opening verses of John's Gospel, Jesus is called the Word of God. If we strip away the philosophical and ontological definitions, we get a very simple and straightforward understanding of what John is actually saying. Jesus is God's instruction, but that instruction, or Word, has now become enfleshed and walks among you. So if Jesus is the Torah enfleshed, then the Pharisees' resistance to Jesus is their resistance to God's instruction. They have, to put it another way, also shown themselves to be blind. Now, believe it or not, John drives home his spiritual understanding by wrapping everything up with a nice and tidy bow. After Jesus places the mud on the man's eyes, what happens? Jesus tells the man to go and wash in the pool called scent. It's an action. It's a teaching. What you learn at school is pointless if you don't put what you've learned into action. You have to act on the instruction that's been given to you. You have to walk the way. The Torah is symbolized in the story by the words, Go and wash. And to show that this man has overcome his blindness to God's instruction, he goes and washes. And lo and behold, his blindness is removed. By obeying Christ, who is God's law enfleshed, the man is recreated, made whole, and able to be truly human. His trust is in the one sent by God to make all things new. After all, in the passage, Jesus had said, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. His trust in the one sent by God makes all the difference. It's his trust in Jesus that allows him to walk the way and find life. Now, with all of this in mind, now let's listen to the end of the story. This is John 9, verses 35 through 41. Jesus heard that they had driven the formerly blind man out of the synagogue, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him. The one speaking to you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. 
Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. Just like the blind man, our trust in Christ, our willingness to go and wash after hearing his command, also cures our blindness. Our willingness to walk the way is what makes us whole and able to see. It's the closest we can get to a reset button that washes away our sins, takes away that regret. But once our blindness is removed, we can truly see that Christ is the light of the world, and this, and only this, will illuminate the way on which we are walking. Until next week, God bless.